1: The Rally Pod, Dirtfish's weekly rallying podcast. And what a podcast we have for you today. Joining me, Luke Barry, in the absence of Lisa
0: O'Sullivan, hosting the show is George Donaldson. George, how are you? Good morning, Luke. Uh, absolutely uh, on, on a natural high after a fabulous safari rally. Um, we managed to achieve everything we wanted to out here. The rally gave us such an incredible result. Once again, um, safari has delivered us Everything and more for the rally fan, I think really, and the drivers all, you know, have variously confessed from it being horribly tough to fantastically tough. But it is tough, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Now, George,
1: of course, for those that weren't maybe aware, was our man on the ground this weekend in Kenya. And actually, you're still in Kenya at the minute, aren't you, George?
0: I am. I'm now working freight. So I'm helping. Uh, I'm helping a, an old friend uh, with. Um, I'm, I'm working with him to get all the freight. So I'm looking at all my rally cars and air freight boxes all loaded on a series of auto mover trucks which are the best trucks we can get here and they are ready to convoy their way down to nairobi straight to the airport and uh, five of those cars and one of those big amp air freight boxes will be flying tomorrow morning back to uk there'll be an m sport on uh, wednesday morning i would have thought well, there you we go, cool. and and
1: and, yeah. and there's a little insight to you as as to how these things work. And to be fair, for those that aren't aware, there was a video that went up on Dirtfish's YouTube channel earlier. Uh, last I was gonna say this week; it's Monday now, isn't it? Oh last week, Monday when you record, Tuesday when you listen. If you're listening on the day, it comes out. But of course, Safari Rally Kenya, the sixth round of this year's World Rally Championship. George, we have to come to you to start this off because you, as you say, you've been there. I had the the comfort of watching this from. My <laughs> little flat in Edinburgh, so things more civilised I guess for me, but you were out there in the action for the second year in a row for you actually. You've been at both the two recent safari rallies. So first of all, how, how great was it to be back and how did this compare to, to last year's event?
0: Well, always fabulous to come to Kenya. I used to spend six months of the year here, which many of our regular uh, podcast listeners will, uh, will know. Um, and, yeah, very, very similar event to last year, very similar sort of format to the, some of the changes that ch- stages had changed around. Uh, some stages were lengthened, some were just altered slightly. Uh, most of the changes were fabulous. One of the changes, uh, all the drivers last year, uh, Luke, they said, oh, let's make this rally tougher. So the rally made it tougher, <laughs> but unfortunately, their idea of tougher and the driver's idea of tougher was obviously slightly different. <laughs> the organisers thought, "Oh, we'll put in an extra 15 or 20 kilometres of fresh, fresh sections, soft, sandy. You, if it was sand, it would be luxury. It's not sand; it's talcum powder, cement dust type, uh, type uh, dust, uh, and it played havoc with Hyundai's intake system. Um, uh, it was particularly there, and they were just a bit unlucky. I think with the design, just really, I think that really was just the the, the luck of the draw." Uh, but the, the the rally, the rally, similar to last year. I love being here. I love spending time here, uh, and I love chasing safari rally around. And I just had an absolute ball, really an absolute ball.
1: Before we we dissect any of the the sporting elements, you you mentioned a couple of them there. But if you can just give everybody that perhaps everybody that hasn't been lucky enough to have gone to, to Kenya at all or the Safari Rally, what it's like to actually be there, because it really isn't like anything else on, on Rallying's Global Tour, is it?
0: No, it's, um, Africa's, Africa's a, a special place in many people's hearts, and and, and and many people would be worried and concerned about coming to Africa, but I would say you don't have to. I mean, coming to Kenya is a, it's a lovely country filled with friendly people, um, and uh, the rally runs basically off the edge of an escarpment down into the great, well, one of the, one of the little prongs off the Great African Rift Valley. And it is phenomenally spectacular. It is so picturesque. Uh, on top of that, as you're driving down the road, I mean, you drive out of Nairobi up to, up towards the escarpment to come over the escarpment and down into Naivasha. You're coming north, northwest uh, out, of, out of Nairobi. And you're driving down the road and for many people you know they'll be picked up at the airport driving out the road there's now a new highway into town you come off that highway go on to the southern bypass that brings you around the city you'll see the city on your left is the national park and it just looks like grassland and trees and you think oh yeah national park what does that mean and you come off the southern bypass and you start driving north on a Joe for about 20 kilometers and then it goes on to just a, a two-lane a two-lane highway and all of a sudden, there are zebra at the side of the road. And to see people's reaction, fantastic to see it. Uh, it's absolutely gobsmacked. And a short while later, you may see giraffe, ostrich. And not so much on that road up there, the escarpment, but it's just phenomenal. Uh, ostrich, uh, zebra specifically, giraffe at the side of the road. Not even a national park. It is an incredible country. So that impression that you would consider... Exotic and would be in you know in some form of very very special place or out in the wild. They're not. They're living. They're living alongside humans, Uh, and and they seem to coexist quite comfortably to a great extent. So absolutely amazing. So that's the experience of coming to Africa, for Africa's sake, for Kenya, and then the rally itself. Well, in reality, it is just special stages, but they're special stages unlike any other. It's not a flat out blast. It is is about preserving the car, but. I really feel that rather than doing this podcast, what we should probably do is just link together all the shows we've done. I think we've done six shows across the course <laughs> of the rally. And that would be the podcast. Just go to YouTube and just look at those end-to-end from start to finish. I think we've given a great flavour of the event um, here, Lucas. I mean, I'm obviously just in love. I'm besotted with the country. I'm besotted with the people. <laughs> I'm besotted with the rally. I'm, I'm, I won't hear Ill of this event. Although, uh, OK, they could lose some of the fresh fish. I honestly don't see the point of it.
1: Well, I tell you what, I wasn't actually, I wasn't going to go there this early, but you mentioned it there, because I, there were a few, a few comments throughout the weekend. I think I remember Malcolm Wilson was the first person I heard, anyway, bring it up. I imagine you heard plenty from the drivers themselves as well about the topic, and we did see that the first stage of Sunday's loop was shortened because of the, the fresh fresh at the start that essentially wreaked havoc, but would you say that because there have been some complaints across social media, which I'll be honest, I Personally, been a little bit surprised by to see that folk weren't happy with the challenge because you, you you tend to see people want rallying's old school nature back, and this to me is exactly what we got here. But you, you reckon the fresh Fest is maybe the one thing that you just don't need for these rally one cars when no. they're not in Safari spec.
0: Well, I mean, it's I mean the the, the world rally cars will get through it. it. It's the it's the it's the people in the R5 cars and in Group N cars, and if if there was any two wheel drive cars, they will not go over fresh fest so It was very limiting. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I get people's comments. So, so people were actually saying it's terrible. It's, it's far too tough. I think there
1: were some concerns about the toughness and concerns about cost for teams of damaged parts and everything else. And I'm, I'll be honest, I've not looked too deeply into it. So I don't okay. want to well, well, let's, let,
0: let's talk through that. Um, and, I, I mean, and, and, and in fairness to those comments, I, I, I agree that there is no point in creating a rally that this just becomes a matter of attrition. That is, that is a pointless affair. And that was the risk with the fesh-fesh. Uh, because fesh-fesh debilitates very quickly and it becomes deeper and deeper. And and you could effectively just about stop the rally in it. So it's a risky strategy from the point of view of continuity of the event. I don't see the point of killing the cars. Um, there was plenty challenges on this rally. There was plenty of drama, um, plenty of, of speed sections and plenty of sections where you have to preserve the car. There was all that. Without needing the fish. a couple of short, you know, 50 meter fesh-fesh sections. If you find some little little loops where you could do that, and they and they did exist within the estate roads, uh, or the conservancies, their sort of nature conservancies. So yeah, you could you could have done that. So um, I'm sure the organisers will be looking at it. They'll they'll take on the 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 comments, uh, the critique, and they will make a stronger, better event next year, maintaining the challenge. I mean, I've got. I've got some great ideas. I'm looking at the overview map right now. And what you could do with this is just amazing. There's, there's a lot more. And they are aware of it. And, and obviously, there's limitations I don't understand about. But I think we'll see an even better event next year. And for those people saying, that's pointless. What's the point of destroying a rally car? I, I can absolutely agree with your sentiment and, and totally understand it. The teams are not making special cars. So we should not expect them to, to do the impossible. It's pointless. There's no winners in that scenario. So, yeah, I, I, I think we'll see those attenuated next year and we'll see the event moving on to uh, creating more of the the very um, pertinent challenges that, that 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 keep the sport within the flavour, but still giving it that safari test. I'm sure we'll get that, uh, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, I'm sure we will as well. But, but speaking of pertinent challenges, I think that's probably a good way to describe a situation for every single one of Cali, Robin, Paris rivals at the minute, because on a rally like this, maybe it, they were hoping that this is the kind of one event that might catch a youngster out, but he's done it again, George. It's four wins out of five. I think he's 145 championship points down from a possible 180. So he's absolutely yep. flying at the minute. We know that. But we're,
0: we're kind of yep. running out of words describe him, aren't we? How, how, yep. how can we sum up Robin Paris' performance here? Well, it's quite interesting talking to him at various points throughout the rally and the start. He was, he was sure he was in a bad position being first on the road. Uh, and, and I have to say, I didn't, I didn't get the opportunity to, 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 to put his dissolution right. Uh, when you go over fish, first car has a massive advantage. It just gets worse and worse. And there was enough of that to affect the other cars detrimentally to just put them that 15, 20 seconds behind as, as Elfin ended up. And, and you had to try and catch that. And to catch that, you have to go a little bit faster, and then you get a puncture, and you lose 15 or 20 seconds. Again, if you're lucky enough to get to the end of the stage, you lose two minutes if you're not. So being first on the road was no, was no disadvantage there. There was another stage, one of the new stages, geothermal. When you looked at it, we, we did, a, we did a, a preview on that stage. It was a beautifully cambered road, uh, really fantastic. Um, looked like it was going to clean. And all the drivers, obviously, including Callie, thought it was going to clean. But when I reviewed it with Colin, I said, this will not clean. It looks like it's just marbles on the top and it will clean. It's just more of the same underneath. It may get softer, but it will not clean. And Callie came through it. His comments at the stop line were, oh, I'm going to lose a lot of time. It was cleaning like hell. But he was—he got fastest time on that stage by a considerable margin. It just got softer and softer and softer. So, um, yeah, he, 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 as you say, you know, what are his rivals going to do? Well, actually, he started Safari Rally with a probable advantage. Not not a lot. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, 30 seconds or a minute, Luke. Nothing like that. It was just, if he didn't put a foot wrong, he was liable to just get a tiny little step up that just made it a little bit tougher for the guys behind them. Um, if they'd been really on point, it might have just been one or two seconds and they could have mounted a challenge later. But nobody managed that. Everyone was playing the waiting game and seeing what was going to happen. And um, I think maybe people thought that carly was going too quick, but actually he just actually had the best conditions. You know, on the second day he didn't have that. You know, he, he was he was effectively running last car. So but luckily there there was really very little soft sections, so he didn't pay a penalty back. Um yeah, so, yeah. I mean yeah, I mean I'll tell you what, you make your own luck. So he put himself at the front of the championship, came to Kenya, he got the best of conditions. You know, he's gonna go to Estonia, he's gonna be first car on the road on the first day. That's going to be a massive disadvantage. I mean, there's there's almost yeah. no way that he can win Estonia from the situation he's in. Yeah, um, but no, it's almost we we, can't, we cannot say that about Perry Well, of course, <laughs> of course we can. Of course we can. But I you mean, know, the odds are massively stacked against him there. And whatever I mean, if that guy can pull himself into the top three, the guy's a god. Uh, if if he can pull himself into if he can if he can get the lead, his, his rivals have either been completely daft out of it or uh, honestly, hand, hand in their driving gloves. You know, that's it. <laughs> it's time. It's time because the guy is just magical. But, you know, he is he is clearly now, you know, he's, he's come to you, the detractors, the doubters, whatever. He's come to Safari Rally and he understood what he had to do. He did it. He made no mistakes. He knew he couldn't make a mistake. He didn't make an error. He did make an error on the first stage. We all saw that on video. He nearly rolled the car. So he's not, he's not perfect. But, that performance is worthy of Sebastian Auger or Sebastian Loeb at their very best, at their peak. That's what we saw this yeah. week, this weekend. We saw Cali Rovenpera deliver a performance that matches or exceeds, possibly exceeds, Sebastian Auger and Sebastian Loeb at their best. That, that remains to be seen. Uh, time will tell. But, I mean, there's no doubt about what, what uh, Cali Rovenpera is right now. He's a rally god, and it's as simple as that. I will worship yeah. at his altar accordingly. Because of well, I think this is
1: this is the key thing, isn't it? Because I, I know there are potentially a few fans out there that are growing I don't want to say frustrated, but they're kind of keen to see somebody else win. But for me, I think it's fantastic to see somebody just so at one with themselves, the car, the culture, everything he's just working. He's in that really sort of envious, sweet spot where he can kind of do anything and it comes off for him. It is worth pointing out, I think, that on safari, Elvin Evans, he wasn't actually that far off. There were a couple things that, that kind of went against him. We know he had um, a puncture or two. He had wipers feeling him in the rain. But he was quite cautious in some of the stages on Friday, particularly wasn't he, George? And With hindsight, that potentially is maybe a little bit too cautious
0: for him, do you think? Well, you say that, but you know, maybe in the road position, remember he was running a little bit further back, so there was a lot more rocks out on the road. I would actually say that he probably delivered the best result he could have done. From his start position, I and mean, and that's taken a punt on it. I'm not saying that as a fact, but that's taken a punt on it, but he didn't have the greatest of conditions. He would have had a much rockier road than than Kylie would had. These road rally cars lifted out a lot of rocks and and the road got significantly rougher so I'd, I'd say you know if, if, you were, if you were doing a call and driver score, I'm going to go down the list, and I'm pretty well going to give three or well, four drivers are going to get a 10. You know, that's simple as that. They, they, <laughs> they, they did everything right. You know, I mean Elfin very, very candidly went through his list of things that didn't quite work for him this rally. And you know what? Every single one of them is not on him categorically. You yeah. can say he can say, Could I have done better there? Could I have done better there? Actually, Elfin, I think you actually did. You know, you I mean you, you didn't you didn't have a pig's ear, but 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 whatever whatever came out of this, it was a silk glove. You delivered a silk glove, you know. It it was a tough one. Your your hand wasn't the same, and that's just the nature of of rally. And it's it's fabulous because you've got to be able to leverage it, and that's part of the sport. And they all did. They all did a wonderful job. Really, uh, it was it was great. But Cali, my goodness me, yep, you've got to be glad you're not an up and coming uh, factory rally driver at the moment, because that's what you've got to overcome to get yourself a drive. <laughs> it's a very good point. Because he is, he
1: is redefining the barriers, isn't he? you you know, look at that instead of a 21-year-old driver and not got hope in hell of doing what he's doing. But he's he's a, dif- he's a different species, I think, is maybe the nicest. <laughs> the
0: best way to put it. But
1: we, we have to touch on Toyota's historic result as well. And, George, you're a man that will know how much this means to Toyota more than most because, obviously, you, you had quite a few years there in various capacities with the team back in the 80s and 90s. So... A one, two, three, four finish. It's now quite a well-trodden stat that it's the first one Toyota's had since the 93 Safari. But it was, I think what impressed me most about this was the car didn't seem to miss a beat at all. And when you compare to what happened with Hyundai and M Sport, it's it's quite clear what an advantage it seemed to have
0: at the minute. Yeah, I hasten to add, actually, our cars in 1993 were exactly the same. They were absolutely perfect in every way. (laughs) (laughs) After after three and a half thousand kilometres of stages, yeah. So i'm sure they were well second hand but uh, we, we got to the end of that event uh, quite quite strongly as well um sorry go and ask the question again i got distracted by my nonsense look
1: no that's not nonsense great history yeah uh, it's great history yeah. and, no I, yeah. I, I was just making making the point that i think the fact that obviously all four cars and the drivers did a great job but the cars seem to have no obviously there were tiny little niggles at points but no real major yeah. issues and, when, and you really? see how many issues the other two teams had i think it's really
0: It's quite worrying for the rest of it. It it is. Uh, They they did have a couple of little issues, which were were alluded to a couple of times. So Sebastian Ogier nearly fell foul, and they nearly retired on the the last day in the Fesh Fesh. So his clutch, uh, uh, he was obviously using the clutch. When he's coming through the Fesh Fesh, he must have had to use the clutch at some point. So the the rule in Fesh Fesh is you never use your clutch, because you push the clutch down, the air intakes and the breathers for the, for the, for the bell housing, the dust goes in there, the cement dust. Uh, you push the clutch down, the springs open up, the dust goes behind it, and the springs don't close again. And that's kind of what happened. And his clutch was spinning. Uh, but fortunately, because it's so dry, he obviously cycled it a few times. He managed to get it moving, and the clutch bit again and actually cleaned itself out and, and got dry. And you get the same thing on a wet safari. On a wet safari, you'll get mud going in, but the mud, the mud doesn't clear. You get, the, if you've not sealed up your clutch bell hedging properly, you get mud in it, it goes behind the springs of the clutch and it, it jams open. Uh, and uh, so you, you've, you've got no drive. So so they had that. That was potentially quite a big issue. Um, and I guess nobody briefed it. I, I don't give briefings like that unless someone's paying me. You know, you don't get that for free. Well, obviously, Dirtfish, <laughs> Dirtfish listeners get it for free, but it's actually a pretty obvious one to, to most people. Um the, the um, uh, so, th- so they had that little glitch, and I think they, you know, I, I saw they- they'd done a lot of preparation in between each stage. Seb Auger and-, and the other drivers were pulling all the air intake system off and going out around various uh, cooling systems on the car with a little homemade vacuum cleaner with a, with a flexible hose on either end, flexible hose away outside the car uh, at one end, and-, and-, and using it like a vacuum cleaner, vacuuming out all the dust. And it was significant quantities of dust coming out, so they were all doing a huge amount of work in between the stages. The level of diligence applied was massive, and I think that's probably where Toyota got a bit of a bite on it. I think they, I think they were on the front foot and all that type of thing. Lead, I have to say, and then levels of diligence led categorically by Seboje, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So uh, yeah, so they had that. I think they had well, obviously. Uh, uh, Elf & Evan had his wipers fail, but that may have been damaged from the quantities of dust and then using the wiper. And the dust, although it's dry, is quite heavy, and it may have damaged the wipers that way. I'm not quite sure of the detail of that. So, yeah, but but compared to everyone else, they certainly had a fraction of the problems. I mean, Hyundai obviously had a major air intake system. They had uh, wipers fail as well. I can't remember what other little issues they had. Um, had yeah. Airfields it's also a big
1: home, but we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. We will get to that. Yeah, we will just, get to just, that. Okay. just a quick one on, on Toyota and the history of it, because I think of all rallies, and you can correct me with this, George, um, but I think of all rallies, this has always been, felt, at least to me, like a Toyota rally. Like it's always just been a one that the team's always seemed to just win. <laughs> Essentially, it's massive history in the safari for the team. So of all places for them to get one, two, three, four, how much do you think that's going to mean to everybody back in Japan?
0: Well I, I believe for for many many, many Toyota fans and many Toyota employees, you know certainly the older ones, it will be massive, absolutely massive. I really, really hope that Toyota, and I, I believe they do, they will massively value this win and leverage it greatly. I mean I would I would imagine that uh, they'll want to take I mean if I, if I was Mr. Toyota, I'd want all four rally cars, don't touch them, send them to Japan, they're going in the museum, all four of them clean sweep like that and the you know the, the, nothing like that's happened through the world rally car era uh get them in Japan out of all the drivers over big presentations i would leverage the the hell out of it let's face it toyota are doing this as all the other manufacturers are to to create a brand image and a brand identity nothing nothing and and, and rally being the tough sport it is is all about saying this is how reliable and tough our cars are My goodness yeah. me you would want to just uh, dip into dip into the coffers pull out a bit of extra extra uh, uh, advertising budget and get get onto it. This is huge. So, uh, I mean, in the, in the past it would have been huge for Japan. I don't work with uh, the Toyota folks anymore, sadly, but uh, I'm sure they will be absolutely leveraging it very, very strongly.
1: So before we move away from the championship leaders, I just wanted to touch a little bit on Sebel. You mentioned the clutch problem he has, and you mentioned his sort of leadership skills, I guess, away from the stages, but but on them, he can't really buy a break at the moment, can he? It's the third rally in a row where I guess you can argue he's had a problem out with his control. Portugal scores maybe well, it was the messiest of his three events so far. But here he was leading the rally before he got his puncture. And that kind of just put him completely on the back foot from there on, didn't it?
0: Yeah. And again, I suspect he got that puncture because, you know, he was, what was he, 10th on the road or something? So he was getting those conditions. But uh, Seb was very philosophical about it obviously less than happy about it but he was philosophical about it and he said well he said we say in france that uh, bad things come i think he's saying in French is, if two bad things happen a third will certainly happen and and we yeah. always we always in 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 english we say uh, bad things always come in threes so same same thing um so yeah his next event i suspect he'll uh, he'll be giving mr rovin pear a little bit of a run for his money whatever that happens to be i don't know which event he's doing yet but I'm sure we'll see him lift again. His, his bad luck has to be gone now.
1: Yeah, you would think you'd think when you and yeah. as I say, we don't know, we don't know when he'll be back yet, and um, but we will all find out soon and we'll be chasing that news. So dirtfish.com is the place to find it whenever that comes. But we promised we'll we'd come to High and die, and we're now gonna to touch on it. I guess the tone will change a little bit here because I don't think I've seen Julian Monsey as deflated as he was after this one. It was it was a brutal rally for High and die.
0: Uh, that's, that's not even the word for it, is it? It was, it, was, it was worse than that. I suspect, to to some extent, they're, they're a, a victim of circumstance. I think they were probably, you know, all the air, all, all the air intake systems are unique to each team. Uh, there seems to be, I mean, that's the worst thing I've seen since, since Subaru, since ProDrive redesigned the, the Subaru front and they got all the dust sucked up from the front of the car over the windscreen pretty well every gravel event. Uh, this seemed to emulate that level of disaster for the drivers and not only did it kill their vision it also killed the the air filter i mean you know they were i mean we we, we had rally cars stopping in the stages changing air filters that's how yeah. bad it was my goodness me i mean what's that what's that about that's incredible so um uh, yeah i mean uh, the least said about it, the better um one thing after another, they had broken suspension parts. Well, in fairness, that's again, maybe a, a factor based on the fact they couldn't see where they were going at times. When they're going through the fesh fish. you've got to keep it going. And, you know, you've got to, as you come into it, we did actually touch on this in the, pod, in the, the, in the, the YouTube uh, videos we did before the event. Um, basically, as you're coming into the fesh fish, you need to look where you're going to go. Hopefully, you can see the end of it and hit it and just keep going. And you're gonna try and stay ahead of the dust. The normal car, with a a Land Cruiser, you try and go fast enough to stay ahead of it. With those rally cars, as soon as they touched it, they were blind. So they then just had to hold the steering straight. If if they felt it tugging one one way, I guess they had to turn it and guess where they were going. Sometimes that was 100, 150 meters away. And in some cases, you would have three or four 90 degree corners to go around, quite tight, quite slow first gear corners. So, I mean, basically they they, they would have had to stop. They would have had to stop to do that. And now they're digging themselves out of a hole. Everything's just getting worse every time they have to do that. Yeah, so that basically was the author of their demise, really, I I think. Otherwise, uh, they, they did, I mean, obviously Ott had managed to overcome all of those difficulties and is again a driver. I'm going to have to give him a pretty well a 10 for this rally again because I think he did a great job and finally the car just let him down a little bit. I was so disappointed because I'd, I'd, uh, Colin had forced me to do a, a top three and I put Ott as the winner, um, which, I felt was, which I felt was quite justified. But uh, sadly, the, the, the car let him down. But he overcame a lot of those fresh, fesh difficulties. Just remember that. He, he, he managed to suss it out and drive around it And until his, was his prop shaft failed.
1: Yeah, well, it again, was prop, prop shaft on Saturday,
0: uh, yeah. Yeah, again, you know, you know just maybe a little bit unlucky maybe carried a little bit too much speed over a rough section i mean the, the section with that, that failed in soy samba that was the first stage on saturday morning wasn't it but it failed or was it saturday afternoon no it was saturday morning i think he failed
1: Yeah, i'll be honest yeah, yeah I, i've got to okay think whichever stage it was, stage it was yeah, anyway but, you, but you're testing it, my. you're testing memory
0: <laughs> yeah okay but the point the point being is it's it's that stage is a little bit of everything there's some very rocky sections over uh, sort of uh, lava beds, and there's a couple of stony sections where you could do prop shaft damage, but not a lot of them. And given that Ott's approach to this was steady, um, I would have suggested that um, uh, that the damage must have happened in there, but Ott had been driving so clever, I don't think it would have been driver-induced. I think, again, he just might have gotten lucky. There was very fast sections through narrow, narrow twisty bits, if you'd come round one of those, you, you couldn't have you couldn't have traded away 60, 70 kph round some of those sections, you would have lost out heavily. So you'd have to carry that speed, but there was nowhere there would there, there would have been nowhere to go. You'd have just had to go over stuff. Now, Watt didn't report any of that, and it's just kind of normal stuff for a rally car. There's no way in the world that the prop shaft should get bent. So I don't guess it was bent. It must have failed in some other way. So uh, we're we're speculating. It's a little bit unfair to the team to do that. Apologies, everyone. How you die, but uh, it's our job to do that. But um, uh, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think uh, certainly was the, the, the one that had the strategy here for me uh, to, to deliver. And I, I mean, we, we, we spoke to Thierry before the start. Thierry reckoned his strategy last year was, was exactly the right strategy. So he was going to do the same this year. And I did actually quietly comment to, uh, comment to Colin after, after that was said, I said, I think he's going to be one of my customers at stage finishes where I'm going to get a bit of filming. And I wasn't wrong. <laughs> I wasn't wrong. So, yeah, there,
1: there was there was a bit of a joke between the pair, because I've listened back to We yeah. get all the audios at our end, for, like the raw cuttings of them. And yeah. there's, there's a lot of bands between the two of you, but
0: <laughs> you can <laughs> see you all the stage ends, he had trouble. Yeah. So, Basically, like, what had I, I, did, I genuinely started to hide in the car when he came past because i uh, uh, i thought well if he doesn't see if he doesn't see me and then and then i changed up my mind i thought no when i know he's got out of the stage i'm going to stand there and let him see me so he knows that i'm not his bad luck cuz look he's got through the stage and I, and i'm here so it can't be me you know that was my thinking. <laughs>
1: oh well, there we go yeah. i'm actually gonna make a, yeah. a slight bit of a gear change and hit reverse actually weirdly but okay. just on the, the stuff you said about hyundai's air filter because i'll be honest it's i'm not a very technically minded person it's the side of the sport that i'm not particularly knowledgeable about at all it's just doesn't really come naturally to me and i suspect there's a lot of people that obviously weren't testify around kenya to really see the front of the hyundai so i don't know how much you can confidently say about it because you obviously didn't design the car but having seen it When you're talking about the position of it and and how it's sucking in the dust, how did it differ from the other two cars from what
0: you could pick up? Um, Well, I've been, uh, Colin has asked me not to ever be too specifically looking into the cars and too nosy about them because, you know, just to respect the team and not upset them so that we can keep our good access and good relationship with them. But basically the Toyota appeared to have almost a double air intake underneath the lip of the bonnet along the front of the bonnet. it was broader, not very high, but very broad. Hyundai had a great big round one in the middle of the bonnet. So they had this sort of single big point, and the Toyota had a broader one. So obviously, somehow, the Toyota picked up less dust than, than, uh, than the Hyundai. But, but both cars had the air filter on the front. So the air intake on the front. They, they have a, 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 a trunk. It would be a carbon or Kevlar. Uh, trunk that goes back over the top of the engine. The turbos are right down, at the, the air filters and the turbos are right down at the back of the engine, kind of underneath the drivers, uh, the, 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 right behind the driver's footwell, basically. Um, and there's a bit of, a bit of uh, flexible hose in there to allow it to move a little bit, obviously. And so the dust was coming in there, going down into that air filter box and then into the turbos. Uh, and that's what you're trying to stop. Well, the air filter was just blocking, obviously, that's, that's what was happening. So... Um, uh, I think, I mean, I just think obviously the way that Hyundai scooped up the dust, they obviously just came straight into that air intake. Whereas with the Toyota, maybe there was two bits did, but there was one part of it that was st- still available to let air in and it effectively just took in a little bit less dust. Just, okay. It just must have been just as simple as that. I mean, there's no way in the world that you could sit down and design that successfully. You could consider it, and I and I suspect that Toyota have considered it, It may be that Hyundai have not considered it to the same extent. I would say that they would have designed their air filter to be as efficient as possible, uh, to make it the the best and give them the most power. And then they they take another look at it and say, right, what problems are we going to have on what rallies? Well, would you actually change the air filter design to make it good for Safari? The compromises might be too great. You know, you you would then lose power or or a little bit of efficiency for, for all the other rallies in the championship. You can't do that. You've got to live with it as it is. So whether, whether uh, Toyota had, were, whether it was intelligent design or whether it was a little element of luck, um, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna actually give Tom Fowler this one. I'm gonna say it was probably intelligence, smartness. He would probably have said to one of his engineers, this is what we've got. Go away and look at all the video of Safari. Go away and look at some of the history of, of the events and the problems, air intakes, clutches. It's all available there, if you go and look at the history. Uh, and, then, and then have a look at some of the videos, you know, and say, right, th- these are the problems that can happen. OK, and then he'll have pulled his, his engineering design team back together. And remember, they were under incredible time constraint. And they say, right, got to think about Safari. That fabulous design, that's just going to hoover up dust, you know. So we can't have that, but let's think about the next place we can do it. So, you know, there, there will have been small compromises, intelligent actions undertaken, and Toyota got it better than, uh, than, than Hyundai did. And remember, Hyundai were under a much, much, much more severe time pressure. They wouldn't have had the luxury yeah. of being able to. You know, let's just say that Tom did exactly, Tom Fowler at Toyota, did exactly as I just said. There is no way that Christian L'Oreal at Hyundai had the luxury of that time or that yeah. resource. There you are. M Sport didn't yeah. have a problem with dust in their air filters. You know, they figured it out too. They had time. And their engineers would have done exactly that. I mean, I would be very surprised within the engineering base that they, they wouldn't have uh, done the homework that I've just suggested. It sounds very, you know, very, you know, uh, I don't know, scholarly or, or, or you know, almost um, almost anecdotal type of, of uh, uh, engineering investment, but those are the things that make the difference between winning and losing in motorsport. Yeah. Understanding 100%. the history, understanding the issues. So, yeah, so... Tom Fowler and his design team at Toyota, brilliant job. M Sport, actually, I think they did a very, very good job to Hyundai. Generally, I think they did pretty good because, let's be honest, Tanak was in the fight for the lead for for a good portion of the rally. But ultimately, uh, their shortage of time, the shortage of resource has probably cost them quite dear. You know, so I'm sure you mentioned Julian Monset was very, very miserable. Honestly, if I was him, you know, having to face up to Korean masters that are maybe very, very demanding, you know, I mean, of course they will be. You know, there'll be accountants there saying, "What, what, what are we doing?" Julian, Julian should just go back to them and say, "Guys, this is on you. You know, you robbed us of three or four months of development time on this car. You want us to do this job, and you want to win, and we all do. You need to listen to us. We're telling you, there's the, there's the date we need to know. You can't go away, changing your mind and saying you can't have it. This is what you're getting. Actually, honestly speaking, if that's your attitude." don't bother at all. Actually, there's the bottom line. Either do it right or don't bother at all. Ooh, am I sounding a bit hard this morning there, Luke?
1: <laughs> there we know. He's, he's been part of the WRC circus uh, close-handed. He's, he's now got even more knowledgeable than he has he was before. So George Donaldson is, is coming through great, with great analysis. But you did mention in there, we'll, we'll move on, because we're about think, 35 minutes in already. Time is flying. Um You've, I think we had our, our first mention of M Ford there just in those last couple of minutes. So, what can we make of, of their event? Because I guess at least for me, it felt like another. I don't, is it harshly missed opportunity? Potentially, it isn't because there, there. I think there were three of them in the top five early on on Friday, but things kind of unravelled. Um, what, what did you make of M Sport's performance, both from the car perspective and I guess what the drivers managed to do with the car as well, George?
0: Well, Colin. Colin had the Ford as his favourite. He thought that Ford would be the team that would manage the 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 the, the podium lockout. You know that, that we that we sort of speculated might happen, and I think that was a good call. Um, that was a good call from the point of view that you know M Sport have done a great job with this car. In terms of weakness, they had a couple of broken suspensions. Seb had a broken uh, uh, steering. Uh, it wasn't a steering rod. I think it was a control steering rod. steering arm. I
1: think it was something like that. Steering arm. Something- I, 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 yeah. I think it was
0: some sort of control rod. I, I saw it myself. And um, uh, uh, Jordan and Serdaridis had exactly the same. Um, uh, both both had happened. And obviously, you know, they obviously got big hits. Now, when you're designing a car, you design it to be strong enough to 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 cover any eventuality, and then you put a factor of two on it. But you can't put a factor of four on things. Again, you can't make things to survive for some unexpected hit on Safari Rally because your car will be slower for the rest of the year. Um, so uh, perhaps, perhaps uh, you know. I mean, I, I looked at the parts that were broken. I I I, I was actually quite. Um, I wasn't shocked by how light they appeared to be. I'm obviously I didn't touch any of them. I'm just looking at the broken ones and the material. It's very fine. It'll be very, very high quality steel. Um, uh, uh, you know, to the very you know, to make it as light as they possibly can, and quite clearly, it is very, very strong. I mean, absolutely very, very strong. It probably took big hits. I don't know what you do. Do you go away and you know, use the next, the next steel up? You know, the next grade of steel up, because you don't you can't make it heavier. If you make it heavier, you won't be competitive. The Ford was competitive here. Seb Loeb was fighting at the front, with very, very little experience here. I mean, you, you know, he, he did the event once in two thousand and two. Um. So, which was a very different event, but he he certainly had an idea of what he was going to come up against, um, albeit in a slightly more sprint format. Uh, And he he did a great job. He showed what the car can do. Um, But none of the other drivers really came to the front and did that. To be fair, I I thought uh, Craig Breen started off quite well, but again, you know, running, well, I mean, he had had a pretty good road position. It wasn't that awful a road position. i suppose it wasn't great so you know again i mean he got a puncture what did he he got a puncture and then he broke something i think on the on the key dog stage um yeah so again, it all, you know, it all went yeah all went wrong, all went went wrong at I think, he, yeah. I, think he, I think he had a puncture and then and then uh, and then then broke broke the suspension and and, and stopped uh, and that was a shame you know that was that was a shame congenital weakness no i think it was um uh, Drivers not understanding the limits of what they could do, probably. And again, I'll, I'll just refer back to Elfin Evans, who, as we said at the start, you know, did he not go fast enough right at the beginning? I'll, I'll say Elfin got it absolutely 100% right. He got it very nearly just as right as as um, as Cali did. Um, very nearly. Very nearly. Now I'm going to give them. I'm going. They're going to have to be tied. I, I know. I don't normally get to do that. And I've interloped. I wouldn't have got away with doing that <laughs> if Colin and David had been here. But because it's you and you're soft on me, I got away with
1: it. <laughs> People said I'm soft on everyone, George. Maybe I need to toughen uh, up a yeah. like, don't, don't, bit. Don't, don't practice
0: on me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I won't. I won't. Don't fellow Scottish comrade. I, fell, Scott me I couldn't, yeah. we couldn't. We don't hurt one of our own. <laughs> we don't hurt anyone. Actually, I that's. Say that. That's but, absolutely for uh, all
0: the listeners. That's absolutely not true. The, the, the basic scottish premise premise is retaliate first <laughs> so exactly, Luke's talk, is Luke's, which, which is a, a a wonderful misnomer that i trade on i trade on retaliate first i never actually really do it but the concept's lovely to me yeah there we go <laughs>
1: well there we go there we go some ancient Scots history aside <laughs> just on on craig breen you sort of we did have a bit of a, a mention there but in terms of his strategy for the rally, it was, well, he described it as quite boring, didn't he? The way he was driving around at essentially yeah. a snail's pace. Do you think that was overly extreme or was that the, just the right way to play it in his situation?
0: Um, I think in his situation, with what he felt he could do, not, you know, not really understanding what might break on the car or where it might break. I think given the level of input they got back from their drivers, I think the Ford strategy was spot on. Um, boring for Craig? Well, honestly speaking, that was his bed. He made it, so he had to lie in it. Do not criticize Safari Rally in front of me. You know, that's a big mistake. <laughs> you know? And I like Craig a lot. i had a lot of laughs this weekend. But honestly speaking, don't you criticize my rally? I said, I mean, this is, you, there are millions of fans here in Kenya of Safari Rally. Craig, you know, you're going to come back here. People are going to question you, you know. This will be a hard rally for yeah. you next year if you, if you don't change your tune towards this rally. <laughs> I'll personally make sure of it, <laughs> I mean, retaliate. It, it was tough. You know, he did it. obviously super rallied. It takes the wind out of your sails. Um, yeah. um, Seb Loeb had the same, but, you know, he, he came back and fought. He came back and fought. So... You know, it's, uh, Craig, Craig should, um, I mean, okay, we don't know what strategy was played out in the team. And, and, and obviously Craig has a championship to consider as well. And that's an important factor. Let's, let's give him that. But um, I want to see Craig come back. I want to see Craig go home, think about this one and, you know, start making input into the team engineers. We want this, we want that. If we can't have that, how am I going to approach you? You won't get everything that you want, but you've got to figure it out, come back to an event like this and drive past the problems. Elfin Evans, yeah, not such a good position on the road. He took it easy on the on the on the Friday to make sure he didn't have too many problems. Turns out very smart, you know, very smart. Uh, Craig Green in a similar position, you know, but he got a puncture and then broke his suspension. And that's absolutely not on Craig, and it's just a circumstance. But you can carry the car, and we again look at listen to our, our previews and, and and we talk about those details in quite considerable format here. I'm turning yeah. into some sort of super fan here, aren't I? I mean, I am a super fan, of course. It's, but, the, uh, the
1: passion is coming across greatly, George. I do love it. However, n- now you've given me a slight yeah. in, I will move us on a little bit because we are racing towards yeah.
0: what Lisa would yeah. tell me is getting it, to far too long the podcast. actually, look, look, I mean, just, just to make this incredibly real, I'm sitting here in the service park in my car. I've had to put the window up. It's rather hot uh, because there was noise outside. I am on forklift driving duties and I'm going to have to go in three or four minutes. So let's... Uh, uh, move through okay, your move race. Through. I'll, I'll yes. start answering questions and stop pontificating. We'll far through it.
1: Okay, so uh, <laughs> just a quick mention of Adrian Formo and Gus Greensmith in that case. Obviously, the other two drivers in the M Sport fold. Another non-finish for FOMO, but this one felt perhaps less on him than others have this season. Greensmith, it was his first, I think it was actually his first crash since the end of 2020. So he's had a, a quite a good run there for somebody who had a bit of a reputation for for accidents before, but the pair of them, what can you make of the George? Obviously we saw him repairing the cars on Saturday, that was for all intents, that was essentially a punishment for Malcolm Wilson, wasn't it? But it's not, it's not unlike him to do that to his drivers and right. to sort of show them the value of, of what making a mistake means to everybody else in the team, but what what can you make of, of Greensmith a 4 at
0: the weekend? I'll tell you what, um, I spoke to them both beforehand and they were both filled with targets and and uh, and it sounded like you know they had a good humility filled approach to the event um, uh, I think uh, I didn't get much of a chance to speak to 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 Gus throughout the event uh, obviously he he, you know, he sl- slipped out the running on the saturday as as did Ad- uh, as did adrian but adrian actually really really impressed me here and I might not even be able to put my finger on it but he really had a positive approach to the rally he, he understood the challenges and he was really, really wanting to, to leverage them. I think he admitted to driving a little bit too long on a puncture at one point, which, of course, Gus did, Gus did massively on, on day one. Uh, yeah. but the, diff failure, the diff failure for Adrian on, uh, on Saturday, that's, uh, that cannot be put on him at all. I, I, I don't believe it can. Um, he broke the, Did he break the suspension somewhere? I can't remember. Yes, I saw him fixing suspension somewhere yeah i, I think that was after
1: that, he, he had his puncture and then it it yeah, went yes, that's right, yeah it's right on, the, on I, saturday morning
0: yeah I, I i filmed i filmed that i said we, we've got we've got the footage of him doing that and he was working very very hard and it was really struggling he actually managed to get the nut off the top of the one of the rear c- control links and the bolt unfortunately wouldn't come out and he he really made an incredibly diligent event we've actually got that entire thing i think i filmed the whole dash thing about 8 minutes of it uh, at least I certainly did it on and off if I didn't do it as one hit. I don't know whether we can actually get that up. It would be moderately boring. But honestly, you would see, I'm sure I'm sure an editor, Elliot or Colin, could edit that together. I mean, the effort he made, the diligence. And again, I just stood back. I didn't say a single word during the whole affair. You know, I gave him lots of space. Uh, I, I tried to be out of their line of sight uh, at all times. Even I, Even I was making sure my shadow, wasn't over them because they don't need, need that distraction. The, the only thing I did that was audible to him at any point was I made sure a few people stood back out of the way and then the marshals came and did that job for for us. So um, he he really impressed me by his approach. Gus just had seemed to have a, have a, a terrible event, poor guy. Um, I think uh, certainly, speaking to him at the start of the event, I thought his approach was going to be spot on and again, he should have been a- able to leverage it. I didn't manage to speak to him to understand why he rolled. Did, did you just, see any just, interviews of It, with him it,
1: about it just, that? It just sounded quite unlucky, I think. He kind of came around a, a slow right hander and he just got got a little bit stuck in the rocks because he, he said he'd had a caution on it for for the rocks and the notes and he right. just went over. Almost, so almost I, I'm, too I'm, slow. I'm
0: not, yeah, almost yeah. too slow. I understand that. I understand that now. Being out here doing this, um, I didn't get a chance to look at wrc.com more than twice during the whole rally, and that was only for a few minutes. Um, so I've, I've, I've actually had to ask you guys to be texting me the results to know where we are and to text me what's happened in a stage. I'm sitting at the end of a stage, unable to know what's going on. So we've been backwards and forwards in it all uh, um, so, I, so I could catch all the action. So uh, uh, sorry if I sound to everyone that, does George not know what happened to these guys? Well, actually, I'm going to have to catch up over the next few days and find out what happened in this rally. I'm going to review. Here, here's super fan status. I'm going to review all the, every single stage on wrc.com but actually I probably don't need to do that if I just watch all our Dirt Fish videos I should get all the stories because I believe we've covered everything.
1: Uh, I'd like to say so as well George and that's probably the perfect plug and the per- perfect way to end this. Thank you very much from all here for first of all I'm sure it wasn't a challenge for you but accepting yeah. the challenge to go and, and cover the rally for us on the ground and for your time on Spin the Rally Pod
0: it's been a pleasure as always George. Look, and I'll, I'll echo what I said before. Um, when all this, when, when we decided we were going to do Goodwood as well, when the opportunity came up, I actually pushed for you to join me here. Um, but they wouldn't send you. They wouldn't send you. So... Um, right.
1: A public outcry.
0: T- I tell you, we need to get a our travel
1: our travel funding page sorted. Of. They teased it before for American rallies, but it'll take us anywhere. If anybody wants to get any travel companies listening, want to get behind it, George and Luke go on adventures. We'll find out. Yeah. things like that. But no, um, we can, there we are. We can. Um, we can. We We
0: can run a bus with folks in the back. Their tour, tour. George and Luke's tours. Actually, George and Colin's tours. My God, that would be terrifying for, for people to be in a car with Colin. He's actually <laughs> unbelievably scary. He's such a bully. <laughs> Lovely. <dude. laughs> well, there it's we, a we nice are. Bully.
1: A nice bully, yes, a nice bully. But George, thank you very much for your time and thank you for listening to Spin the Rally Pod as well. Make sure you are subscribed on your chosen podcast provider, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. There's a new episode every Tuesday. We'll join you, probably with a more
0: full team, this time next week. Luke, thank you for that. Luke, I've got one more thing I must say and and apologies for nearly forgetting to mention Carl, whom I spoke to at the start-finish area of the Osirian, Osirian stage. He was he, he helped me with my morning broadcast. Uh, an absolutely lovely super fan as well. Carl, thank you for your help. You'll, he was very concerned after we did that, that he'd fluffed his lines. And I noticed that Elliot made a very nice cut so that you, your, your input was brief, but it was perfect. And you weren't made to look stupid, Carl. Thank you very much. Please remain a fan of our services.